Hi everyone, it's Danielle, your favorite wandering disciple. Um, I recently moved back to Hawaii, and last night a friend of mine invited me to a semi-private showing of... Well, it, it's a documentary highlighting modern-day slavery, especially in the fishing industry. You can look into it more yourself, but mostly it was about poorer people being taken advantage of and basically shanghaied into years of service on these fishing boats. Uh, some of them, it, it takes them years to get back to their families. Sometimes their families don't know where they are. If they're dead, many of them are sexually abused. The list goes on and on. Many of them are forced for years into service without pay. Um, it, it's terrible, yes. Um, the film, to the people showing it, and many in the audience, the film to them was very touching. Uh, and it hurt them deeply. The crowd and the people who organized this were very moved by it. They were passionate. Um, lots of people in the room were some of the elite in the industry. Uh, as far as we know, there's no, for the record, there's no fishing-related slavery in Hawaii. I'm not saying that. Neither were they. They were basically just educating the audience about where it's happening in other places in the world and what to do about it. So there were people there who work in fair labor laws, lobbyists. There were some social media famous people with big followings. There were some people who work with Noah, uh, all over. Um, I, of course, was just a guest invited by someone uh, in the industry. I had no personal ties to it at all and just went because I was invited. The thing that stuck out to me most was, other than being rather bored by it all, um, because there wasn't a single mention of Jesus. And you think, oh, okay, yeah, sure, that's not the time or place for it. But I say, absolutely it is. Because the whole issue of slavery, especially modern-day slavery, is the fact that there isn't any Jesus in it. Like, all I could sit there and think was, people, if, if you were bringing Christ into this situation, the situation wouldn't exist. We, we, okay, let's look biblically into this. Um, look at Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote, uh, what, a, a third of the New Testament. He was a slave for Christ. There's such a thing as godly slavery. We read over and over again in multiple books in the New Testament. Paul, um, 1 Corinthians 15.31, For I swear that I face death daily. This was a man who was murdered just for telling people about Jesus, for setting their lives free.
He absolutely was a slave. There's a way to be a slave and change the world. You think, oh, slaves don't have any rights. They don't have any freedom. Uh, we, as Christians, our only right is to willingly give up our rights. Uh, okay, let's look at Acts 16, godly slavery, um, in Philippi. Philippi, back then, was a major city in the district of Macedonia, which was a Roman colony. Um, at the time of writing, the ruler of Rome was Nero, who subsequently committed suicide. He was a, not a good man. Um, but he was the type of ruler who burnt Christians alive just to light his garden, possibly for his own amusement in the evenings. He accused Christians of hating the human race, which is kind of a sick irony, but it served his purposes as a leader. Um, anyway, considering this also, Paul reminded believers in Titus, he said, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. Uh, later in Titus 3.14, our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. So here's Paul in Philippi. Uh, he and a group of men... I'll read it in Acts 16. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Honestly, I believe the evil spirit in the girl was probably shouting this knowing that Christianity was illegal, hoping to get the men arrested. I don't really think that she was helping spread Christianity. Uh, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And instantly it left. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities of the marketplace. The whole city is in uproar because of these Jews, they screamed to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. The mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they did not escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. This, this is how a godly slave should behave in prison, or in, in his slavery. And that's the thing, like, it's amazing if these slaves that were, or these people who were being enslaved in this fishing industry, or in any industry, if they were saved if they were actually slaves of Jesus being thrown into this predicament, the whole world would be better for it. Um, so, I mean, really, we, we've got to change our perspective. So, here's Paul and Silas. Around midnight, in prison, after being stripped and beaten with wooden rods and thrown into prison, basically as innocent men, 
At about midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners around them were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains off of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. He was responsible for these prisoners with his life. So he knew if he didn't kill himself, he was going to be tortured and murdered anyway for failing in his job. Uh, the jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas because at the moment he drew his sword to kill himself, Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We're all here! The jailer brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Can you imagine a slave living with that kind of conscience, that kind of life sold out to Christ, to where it didn't matter where they were, in what situation, whether they were free or cold or starving. When God is your, your source of life and your only source of life, it doesn't matter where you are, under whom you are forced to serve, what you're doing, because you are a light and the only source of life and hope for all of humankind lives inside of you. The thing is that we as Christians need to be living this life. Absolutely, yes. We need to be reaching those around us, but we need to be reaching the powerful as well. Like, what if just one captain in the, in the slave industry came to know Christ? His, not only would his life change, not only would everything he's doing change, the, the very purpose for which he lives would change, that every single life under his management and control would be changed. They would be immediately set free. So uh, in First Timothy 5, 17-18, Paul says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. You know, the thing is, if, if we know that God is our provider of all, all good things, of all our needs, He is our Father who richly provides in abundance, then suddenly our desires change. The very reason we're alive changes. What we run after in this world, the way we think, we're able to live with the mind of Christ. That means that we can think his thoughts. We can love others the way he loves them. And if you truly love everyone from a place of, of God's understanding, if you're living your life through his spirit, the actual spirit of God lives in you with his heart that already loves God, then you're never going to want to hurt anyone again. That suddenly you have no enemies. You know, I, I was looking at these people as I'm sitting in this room and thinking that they're fighting the wrong war. Yes, I, I commend their passion and their concern for people's lives and wanting to make labor fair for everyone and wanting people to work and be paid for it and to go home and see their families and have lives. 
But at the same time, without Jesus, that is not possible. So what they're doing is completely wasted without Christ. It is wasted. It is for nothing. Because without love, no one in this world can change. None of us can do anything that we were ever created to be apart from the power of God living in us. And we can never do that without his salvation, without realizing our need for him to begin with. That we are nothing without him. And without him we are condemned to pay for our own sins. And yes, without Jesus' salvation, we, will, we would spend all eternity in hell as guilty as we all deserve. People aren't the problem. Lord, just, just reveal to us today the actual cares of your spirit. Show us our need for you. Convict us of our sins. Give us a heart and a, and a desire and a passion to live the life you created us to live. To live through you, in you. Make our number one passion an insatiable desire to know you intimately. To walk in your will. In Jesus' name, amen.